listen, we are going to continue uh, in worship this morning as we receive our offering. Uh, Before we do that, I want to say hi. I want to welcome you. My name is Mark. If you're brand new here this morning, it's good to see everybody here uh, today. And uh, we are going to continue in worship as we receive our offering And um, in just a moment, our ushers are going to get in place, and we're going to go ahead and receive our offering. Last week, if you were here, uh, we talked about Summit Kids for a minute. I want to show you a different picture uh, this morning. So if we can bring up uh, the picture that I've got here, I think we've got a picture of our student ministry. There we go. And, and these, are, these are our students from just a couple of weeks ago. Several pictures brought together. So I just want to explain to you what's happening here. Uh, you can see on the side there, it's students just playing games, hanging out on a Sunday night. Right there in the middle, though, they've written a bunch of our students on a Sunday night. This is what happens here every week, all right? So maybe you've, like, you've never seen what happens in our student ministry. You've always wondered what it's like. So this is a group of teenagers, middle and high school students, a couple Sunday nights ago, taking a whiteboard, writing some issues and struggles in their life, and they are gathering around in a circle, just a small group of them, laying hands on issues in their life that they've written down, praying over those and seeking God and wanting freedom. And listen, that is, uh, that is how you pour into and invest in a next generation uh, to raise them up, man, to love God, to want to follow Jesus. And man, in a world that just says success is more money and how many followers you've got online, I'm just telling you that God is using Asena and Wes and our student leaders. Alex over here in the front leads our middle school. They're going to have middle school Sunday in the next service during 11-15. Middle school Sunday, all, four, all six through eighth graders are invited over there to the student building. But God is just using our student ministry uh, in a powerful way. And I want you to know, man, when you give, you make that possible. Just like we showed you last week with kids. Today I want to highlight our students, man, and what you give makes that happen. You say, I've never been in our student ministry. I don't know what happens in our student ministry. I want to tell you when you give, you make our student ministry possible, all right? So you may not know, I want to show you this morning, God is using it to impact lives. I mean, literally, lives are being changed. That's just a powerful picture of them just praying and asking God for freedom. Teenagers, man, hello? Begging God to to work in their own life, you are making that possible. Mark, I don't give. Why should I give? If I need to give you any other reason than that, I ain't got nothing for you, bro. I don't know what to say, man. This is powerful. This morning, just students begging God to work in their lives. I just want to thank you for your generosity uh, to make that possible. So whether you give here, whether you give online, man, God bless you for that. Thank you for it. Uh, Our ushers can go ahead and get in place. So whoever is going to help us receive our offering this morning, you guys can go ahead and do that and make any preparation possible, uh, any preparations that you need to go ahead and do those. And I uh, also want to highlight that you can give online. You can open up the Summit app. You can go to summithazard.com and you click give. And right there, you can give right there uh, in your seat on your phone or uh, at home on a laptop, computer, whatever you've got. All right. Hey, I'm going to pray for us and uh, ask God to bless our offering. Speak to us here uh, this morning. So let's let's pray. Father, as we come and we open up your word here, God, we just worship you this morning, Father. We thank you that, that we can run to you over and over and over. You are a good God. And Father, I thank you that you're not off in the galaxy watching us. You are right here in this room today. God, you are right here in this place right now with us. And so, Father, we give as a response to your love and what you've done in our hearts, God. Just like we sang, our hearts cry out, Jesus, to love you. We want to build our lives on your love. And this is a way that we do that, Jesus. We we give 
and we say that we just will not put our hope and security in this world and things that are fading. We want to put it into you. And so, God, as we give, change our hearts. God, I pray for our student ministry. God, I pray for middle and high school students. God, that you would just send a revival and renewal to our schools, to our next generation. And God, I pray for our student ministry, Father, that you would just give us favor in the lives of middle and high school students. And God, that we would see a harvest of students coming to Jesus and living for him. Father, we love you. God, speak to us this morning from your word in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You guys give as, as God leads you to give. And, and as you're giving, I want, to, uh, I want to say one more thing to you. Now, when you walked in today, maybe you noticed that there were some tables out there with balloons on them. Those balloons are there to highlight uh, two opportunities for you to serve and get connected here at Summit. You can serve in guest services and Summit Kids. You can serve once every five weeks. And you can sign up. Start, listen, getting connected, signing up to serve is extremely easy. You can do it in a couple of different ways. One is you can literally right now grab your phone and text the word serve to 606-268-3633. You can grab your phone right now and sign up to serve. You will get a text message back just like that, like bam, right there. And, and you will get a text message back. You can sign up to serve on your phone or take your connection card. And on the front, it says, I want to serve at Summit. Check that box. And when you leave in just a minute, there's going to be people with offering baskets at each set of doors. Drop that card in there. Signing up to serve is extremely easy. Why should you sign up to serve? When you serve, just, just being on a serve team, having that regular rhythm in your life of serving, what it does, it builds into your life one hour where you will intentionally put other people in front of yourself, and that is good for you. Jesus said that the greatest among us will be our servants, right? And so, so you just lean into that. I'm telling you, man, it just, you, God does something in your life. And also you get to use gifts that God's given you. So if you're not serving anywhere, I want to invite you to try out guest services. I want to invite you to try out Summit Kids. Uh, we talked about it last week. Just try, sign up, try it out. If you have questions about serving, uh, Dana, will, uh, Dana will be out there in the lobby. If you don't know Dana, Dana, raise your hand. Dana's our next step coordinator. And Dana can get you connected this morning before you leave. Um, she's over there windmilling this morning. And uh, man, she can get you connected this morning to serving. So why don't you give it a shot? Uh, it'll be just a blessing uh, in your life, all right? Hey, listen, today we are in part five of our series, Pray EKY. Can you believe we've been doing this for five weeks already, man? We are ten, It's a 10-week series and today is the middle point. Today we're at the we're, today we're like halfway in to the marathon. All right, and um, but but here's the deal, you know we're we're what we're doing in this series. Literally, it's a ten week series. If you've missed any of the sermons in Pray EKY, you can go back. You, if you have the Summit app, you can listen to them right now. Um, we don't listen to them right now, um, but you can listen to them. You can go back check them out. But what we're doing in this series is we are learning how to be people of prayer. We're learning how to be a church of prayer. We're just convinced that the deepest need for Eastern Kentucky is spiritual revival, renewal. We need the presence and power of God to move. And that happens as God's people pray. And so we're learning how to be a people of prayer. And next week, what's going to happen in this series, this, what we've done so far is we've kind of answered some really big questions people have about prayer, you know, like, 
Like last week was why pray if God already knows what he's going to do. And, and what do I do with unanswered prayer was a couple of weeks ago. We've taken five weeks to answer some really big questions about prayer. Next week the series turns and we're going to get really specific into different types of prayer. And so next week we're going to talk about worship in prayer. Then we're going to talk about intercession and petition in prayer. We're going to talk about spiritual warfare in prayer. And so, so that's the rest of the series is different types of prayer but here's my fear. My fear is this. My fear is that some of you are here, and I hear this every once in a while. My fear is that some of you are here, and, and, and you're here in this sermon series, and you're here in this call for let's pray for revival, and you're thinking, man, I, don't, I just don't know if that's for me. I think that sounds like something for like spiritual Navy SEALs, not somebody with me that falls, not somebody like me that falls asleep when they pray. You know, I, I think, Mark, this series, this series is good, but, but Mark, I feel like what we're saying here, it's for people that, you know, like, Mark, when I pray, as soon as I start to pray, I think about what I'm going to eat for breakfast and lunch that day. You know, I just don't feel like I'm a praying person. And, and so you're talking about becoming a person of prayer, and that sounds awesome, and I hope that somebody here does, but I just don't think that you're talking to me, man. I, I got a lot of stuff in my past, stuff in my life. I, can, I barely can pay attention in prayer. I, I just don't think that this is for me me. And so if that's you today, what I, I, today, I want to encourage you that you can become a person of prayer, all right? With, with the distractions in your life, with the things in your life right now, you might, you might feel like, oh man, that's a million miles from where, from where I am. I want you to see that actually Jesus brings you and I becoming people of prayer closer than you might think that it is. All right, so, so this is for you. I want to encourage you today at the, midweek, uh, at the midway point of this sermon series for next week, we get into some really practical stuff. So if you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and turn it on on your phone, open it up, whatever you've got. Matthew 18 is where we're going to be, all right? Matthew 18, we're going to be in the first, <clears throat> excuse me, four verses of Matthew 18. And I believe it's going to be on the screen behind me, but go ahead and turn it on on your phone, open it up, whatever. Matthew 18, 1 through 4. Let's go ahead and read this. It says, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them, and said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So what I love here, um, this is obviously the book of Matthew. Matthew is a disciple. He's one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. I love that when the disciples, and I love that when the disciples write the Gospels, they don't try to pretty up the Gospels and make themselves look better than they are. Right, So Matthew would have written, Matthew, a disciple, wrote this story. And so picture this story in your mind. The disciples are walking down the road. Jesus is probably in front of them. And the disciples are in a group behind Jesus. And the disciples are having a conversation about which one of them is the best disciple. Right? Which one of them is probably the most spiritual? Who's driven out the most demons? Who prays the longest? Which one of them is the greatest? Matthew, put, Matthew would have been in on this conversation. And so he puts in on, he puts in here, hey, listen, one day we were walking down the road trying to figure out who was the best out of us. 
And they obviously can't decide. I mean, when you're in a group of people and you're trying to find out which one's the best one, you know, you can't, who, who can make that decision? So they ask Jesus, Jesus, which one of us is the best? And Jesus answers the question. Like he doesn't like slap them upside the head or he doesn't rebuke them. Jesus literally looks at them and says, you know what, I'll answer that. And the way that Jesus answers that question, though, is not the way that they anticipate. It's not the way maybe that you think that Jesus is going to answer that question. The way Jesus answers that question is, listen, listen, guys, do you want to know who the greatest is? I'll show you. And, and there must have been a group of people who were there. People were always following Jesus. And somebody was there, a family probably, and their little children were there with the family. Jesus brings a child. We don't know who it is. We don't know whether it was a boy or a girl, their name. We don't know anything about them. Jesus brings this child right into the middle of he and the disciples. And he says, listen, you want to know who the greatest is? This child is the greatest. This child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And, and, and whoever doesn't turn and humble themselves and literally become like this child or any child, whoever doesn't become like a, like a child will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And so what Jesus is, is calling us to here, what Jesus is saying to the disciples, what he's saying to you and me, is Jesus is calling us to what's called childlike faith. Now, now notice here, this is really important, so I, I need you to understand this. Jesus is not calling you to childish faith. There's a difference between childish faith and childlike faith. Childish faith is when you don't know what you believe, so you believe anything and everything that anybody says about God. Like you have no idea what the Bible says about an issue. You're not really rooted and grounded in like your own belief and, and, and what you believe. And so you'll just believe anything anybody says about God. So, you know, you'll see a YouTube video from a person that you don't know and you don't even know if they go to church anywhere or what their background is at all. But you know what? They got millions of viewers, so they're probably an authority. So let's believe what somebody on YouTube says. Or, or here's a video on Facebook. Let's believe them. Who are they? I have no idea. But what they say gives me goosebumps. It's likely the Holy Spirit. Right? That childish faith, this is really serious. Childish faith is when you don't know what you believe. You don't know what the Bible says. And because of that, you're kind of thrown around by anything and everything that anybody says about God and the Scriptures. Jesus says, no, 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 no. you got to move on from that. Honestly, that might be where you start the Christian life. Do not stay there. You need to know what the Bible says. You need to know what you believe. Jesus is not calling us to childish faith. He's calling us to childlike faith. Childlike faith is simply taking our heavenly father at his word. It's believing what God says. Childlike faith is believing what God says. Taking our heavenly father at his word. I mean, think about it. You know, if you're a parent, grandparent, you've been around kids, maybe you serve in Summit Kids, you know, it is just in the nature of kids to believe. Anybody? Hello, right? Would you agree with that? It's just in the nature of kids to believe you. To believe their parents, to believe adults. I remember one time Chloe, she's, uh, Chloe's eight, she'll be nine here in a couple of months. This was a few years ago, she was several years younger, and we were driving, and we were about to pull onto Combs Road, and so Chloe sees a sign, and it says Combs Road in front of her, and she asks me, and she's completely serious, she says, Dad, everywhere I go, I see my last name, Combs, on things. And she asked me this question, are we famous? And without missing a beat, man, in, in a great parenting moment, I look back at her and I say, yes, we're famous. 
Listen, there are streets here named after you. There are buildings with your name on it. Chloe, I, I honestly said this. Chloe, there is a motel downtown with your name on it. <laughs> and she said, really? And again, the Holy Spirit realized, Mark, she will have to have years of counseling because of what you're doing. And so I said, no, Chloe, I'm totally, I'm totally just... Uh, well, lying to you is what I'm doing. This is not true. I see it's, not, it's no, don't believe this at all. I'm just, I'm just messing around with you. But what happened, man? She believed me. This is what dad says. Whatever dad says, we, I just believe what dad says. Childlike faith. Jesus is saying, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, believe what your dad says. Regardless of how you feel, regardless of what you might think is true, regardless of what you might think about you, believe what your dad says about you. Regardless of how you might feel like God is, believe what your heavenly father says, what he's like. So, so childlike faith is believing what our heavenly father says, just taking him at his word. And there's a lot we could say about, about childlike faith. But listen, I think that there's at least three things that I would want to encourage our entire church with as we are just on this mission of becoming people of prayer. I want to encourage you this morning. And so I think that there's three things that really jump out as Jesus just pulls this random child right in the middle, puts him on the, puts him on the landscape of the biblical narrative and say, listen, we all ought to become like this kid. I think three things at least stick out to us. If you want to have childlike faith, first thing that you've got to know, first thing you got to have, first thing we got to know is that we have to come to God as we are, not as we wish we were. If we want to have childlike faith, if we want to have childlike faith, we have to come to God as we are, not as we wish we were. I remember when Cassidy and Seth, my other two kids, uh, I remember when they were little, they would come to Elena and I, and, and they would come to Elena and I sometimes, they would just be a mess, right? Covered with food and covered all kinds of stuff, you know, like little kids are. And they would just come to us stuff all over, and maybe they painted or had something on. Just, they were covered in whatever they were doing. And they would walk up to Elena and I, and they would just put their arms up in the air wanting us to pick them up. And you knew that when you picked them up, Whatever was on them was going to get on you. You know what I mean? Right? Because that's what kids do. There was never a point when they say, oh my goodness, I can't come to my dad. Messy. I can't come to mom messy. I need to clean myself up. There was nothing in them that said, you know what, I can't come to my parents the way that I am right now. No, they just came right in and said, here, here I am, messing off. Pick me up. Somewhere along the way, we got this idea that if we're going to come to God, we have to go to God as something other than what we are right now. Does that make sense? Right? So, you know, we're talking about prayer. I mean, I've been in church, and I, I, I've used this example before. I've been in churches, man, where somebody talks normal, you know, just like the way that you and I do in normal conversation. And all of a sudden, they start to pray, and then they start to use King James English. You know, it's like all of a sudden these and thous and heretofore and all this stuff. And I'm like, what are you doing? That is, that, that's not who you are. Or, or, or we come into an environment like this and we just have a horrible week. We're just stressed out. Maybe we're really angry. Angry. We're really worried about something. We just, just, just the weight of life is on us. And man, we're just distracted. It's just been a bad week. And you come into an environment like this. You walk in the church and somebody asks you how you are. And you look at them and you say, man, I am too blessed to be stressed. Hallelujah. How are you? Right? 
Right? No one, like, in the car, we were, like, yelling and, like, we're, you know, like, ah, twitching and all kinds of stuff freaking out, you know? Just a horrible week. This is, you know, and, and we think that we have to come to God as something other than what we are. So I can't come to God with my doubts. I can't come to God with these fears. I can't come to God when I'm filled with anxiety. I can't come to God with all, with all of these things that are going on inside of me. And so we're convinced that if we're going to go to God... We have to go to God as something other than where we are or what we are right there in the moment. And what we need to see is that the love of God for us, the love of God for us is so safe that you can come to God as you are. Listen, you might feel like you have to fake it at work, fake it at school, fake it at home. You might feel like you have to fake it at church. But God is the one person with whom you do not have to fake it with. Listen, think about it. God is the one person who knows you better than anyone will ever know you, knows everything about your past, present, and future, and God loves you completely. So the love of God is a safe place for you to come to God as you are, just to come to God as you are. You are. And not to try to pretend that you're someone else. This is honestly one of the things that I'm praying that God would do in our church. That God would teach us how to get rooted and grounded in the love of God. And who God says we are. So that the love of God's not an idea that we talk about. We, oh yeah, I know that I'm a child of God. But we learn how to live from these things. Because man, as we learn how to build our lives, like we were saying earlier, we learn how to build our lives on the love of God and who God says we are. All of a sudden we realize we can come to God as we are, not as we wish we were. Look at anybody in the Bible. Look at Moses. Look at David. Look at Jesus. And how did they go to God? They went to God when they were afraid. They went to God when they were angry. They went to God when they had questions. They went to God as they were, not as they thought they had to be. So let me ask you a question this morning. Where are you? Where are you right now? Here's the thing. You might not like where you are, but here's the reality. That's where you are. And the only place that God can come to you in is where you are right now. So you don't have to dress yourself up. You don't have to pretend to be something that you're not. You can come to God. Childlike faith comes to God as we are, not as we wish we were. Here's the second thing that we learned from childlike faith. Jesus pulling this child right in the middle. If we're going to have childlike faith, we need to understand this. Faith like a child means we have to come to God helpless. Faith like a child means we have to come to God helpless. See, this is where the sermon gets hard. So maybe like the first point, you kind of, you, 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 you like the first part, you know, coming to God as you are, not as you wish you were. You can come to God and you don't have to fake it. You don't have to pretend. But this is where the sermon gets hard because a lot of people have a hard time asking for help. Anybody you know? Right? People have a hard time asking for help. We like, to act that, we like to act that we're smarter than we are, that we're stronger than we are, that, that, we're, that we're in a better place than we really are. The, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, which one's the greatest? And don't we love greatness? Don't we love it, man? In fact, we have a specific idea of what greatness is, don't we? Greatness has a certain kind of resume. Greatness drives a certain kind of car. 
You know, greatness lives in a certain kind of house. Greatness has a certain athletic ability and makes these kind of grades. We, we love greatness. We strive to be great. What I love about Jesus, though, in this passage, passage is Jesus takes everything we think about greatness and throws it out the window. I mean, look at what he says here. Look at what, look at what he says to the disciples there. Verse, uh, verse 3. Truly I say to you, unless you watch this, turn and become like children. Here's a question. Turn from what? Unless you turn and become like children. Okay, great. What do we need to turn from? Pride. The thing that we have to turn from that will keep us from childlike faith, and Jesus says, could even potentially grow to where it keeps us out of the kingdom of heaven, is turn from pride. Now, how do I know that it's pride? The way that I know that Jesus is telling you and me to turn from pride is verse 4. Look at verse 4. Whoever what? What's the next word? Anybody know? Humbles himself. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Humility. And, and humility, and a lot of times in our culture, humility is a bad thing. We have our word humiliated. I hate being humiliated. Don't you? I hate it. Oh, I hate being humiliated that I might be found out that I'm not as impressive as I try to look sometimes, I'm not as smart, not as well put together as I try to appear sometimes. I just don't want to be humiliated. And so we have this idea, humiliation, oh my goodness, it's all bad. So from that we get our word humility. Humiliated is one thing. Humility is another. What is humility? Well, it ain't pride. It's the, it's the opposite of pride. Here's what you need to know. If God has a kryptonite, it seems to be pride. I mean, if there's something that God hates and that makes God run away, it just seems to be pride. Some of the harshest sayings verses in the Bible are about pride. I think I put some of them on the screen here. Look at these verses. Here, here's God right here, Proverbs 8.13. I hate pride and arrogance. Hate it. Evil behavior, perverse, spe uh, perverse speech. Proverbs 11.2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. Proverbs 16.18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. God literally says he hates pride. Now, here's what's happening in the room right now. Here's what's going on. Every single one of us in the room right now are thinking about somebody else that we know is proud, and thank goodness we're not one of them. Right, right. There's no proud people here. Only the humble people came to Summit this morning. Right, right. So that's what we're all thinking. Oh, man, thank God. I'm not proud. Oh, I'm not proud at all. And, and so here's the thing that's tricky about pride. You can be really proud and not know you're really proud. Amen? Like, it's like a thing you can have and you don't know that you have it. So because I'm a pastor and I just love y'all, I thought I'd put together a little checklist to help you know if you struggle with pride. You know, again, it's what I do for a living. And so I made this for you. Here's why you know you struggle with pride. I think I'm humble. <laughs> so that's really good. Humility is one of those things. It's like this paradox. Well, I'm really humble. Are you? Working out good. Or at least I'm more humble than other people. Right? Pride. My favorite subject to talk about is me. Um, here's one. I have a, okay, now watch these. I have a hard time or I never admit that I'm wrong. I rarely or never ask for forgiveness from God or others. I always have to get the last word in. I secretly look down on people who are different than me. 
I always say yes to everything as if I have no limits. It was at this point that I started to hate the sermon that I was writing, by the way, right? Here's the last one. I rarely never ask for help from God or others. If I could add one thing that I didn't put on the screen, I would add this. I can see everyone else's problems except for my own. It's pride. And, and what Jesus says, Jesus says literally, we need to become like children. Why? Because kids just ask for help over and over. Amen, parents? Grandpa, it's just constantly, right? They need help getting something to eat. They want help with homework. They're just always asking for help. Jesus says, hey, you should be like that. You should constantly be asking your heavenly father for help. Can I just tell you this? Listen, prayer, listen, revival, renewal is birthed out of a cry for help. Right? That's it. I'm convinced that one of the reasons that God is putting us where we are culturally is so that God would position the church so that we would just get rid of any pride and get rid of any trust that we've had in elements and techniques and techniques and things that used to work and used to produce results seemingly automatically. And we would just get desperate and hungry for God and the church would cry out to God for help. Think about this. What if every place that you need help is an invitation from God to pray? What if every area in your life where you need help is an invitation to pray? So where do you need help this morning? Maybe you need relational help. Maybe you need financial help. You need healing in your body. Maybe, maybe you're a student. You need help at home with your parents. You've got a family issue going on. Where do you need help this morning? What if every place that I need help, that you need help, what if every place where we need help is an invitation from God? God is literally coming to us. It's an invitation from God to pray and to ask for help. So if we're going to have childlike faith, if we're going to become people of prayer, we need to get really good at asking for help. We need to come, faith like, child, faith like a child means we have to come to God helpless. But maybe that's new for you. And so, so what I wanted to do here, I just want to give you a practical way. Maybe that's new for you. The idea that every time you need help, it's an invitation from God to pray. So I just want to give you a practical way to do that. This is the third thing that really sticks out to me from kids and, and having faith like a child. Here's a practical way to make every single time you need help a trigger to pray. And it's simply this. Faith like a child means that we can come to God scared. It means that we can come to God when we're scared. Man, when kids are scared, what do they do? Well, if their mom or dad's there, they cry out for their mom or dad. If they're with their grandparents, they cry out for their grandparents. If they're at school, they go to the teacher, right? Here's what happens for kids. For kids, fear is a trigger to go to who's in charge. And we think there's no way we can do that. There's no way that I can go to God with this level of anxiety. There's no way that I can go to God with this level or this kind of fear. There is no way that I could go to God with this amount of worry in my life. See, somewhere along the way, here's what we started to think. If I was really spiritual, I would never be afraid. 
And I would just love to ask you where you got that. Because can I tell you, you did not get it from here. You might have got it from a preacher and tell them that I said they're wrong. You, you did not get that from here. Because when you look at the scriptures, what happens is fear in the Bible is a springboard, a springboard to God. Every single time you pick a hero you got out of the scriptures, man. Every single time that man or that woman was afraid, it just drove them right to God. Fear was a trigger that took them to who is in charge. It just happens over and over. I'll show it to you uh, right here. Psalm 56 verse 3. Psalm 56 verse 3. David says, when... When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Not if I'm afraid, when. When I'm afraid. Every single time I'm afraid, I just instantly go to God. Here's a verse that you guys know. I think it might be on the screen. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Stop right there. Let me ask you a question. Don't answer this out loud think about it to yourself what do you think is God's tone when he says that verse do not be anxious what do you think God's tone is do you know what I mean by tone do you think that God says that do not be anxious would you just suck it up and not be afraid stop it some of you are like ah right like John said, I thought John just did that perfectly. For a lot of us, that is the only image you have of God. God is angry at you. God is disappointed at you. God wishes that you would get your act together. And so when it comes to fear in a verse like this, God's tone towards you is anger and judgment. Just stop it. Stop being afraid. I want to tell you, that is not your heavenly Father's tone. Amen? That is not the tone of our God. Listen, when God says, don't be anxious, he's not telling you to stop it. He's not telling you to get your act together. No, God is giving you a picture of fear and anxiety that says this, do not be anxious about, every, about anything, but watch. But in what? Every situation. In every situation when you're afraid, come to me. Every time you're filled with anxiety, come to me. Every time you're worried, come to me. Don't be anxious in the sense of bottle it up, keep it in, try to figure it out on your own. No, every time you are anxious, go to your heavenly Father because you are loved by God even then. Amen? Even in that moment, you are loved by God. Even in that moment of that panic attack, you are his beloved son. You're his beloved daughter. And listen, this doesn't mean there absolutely, we say it all the time, there is absolutely a place, and thank God for the good gift of counselors and medication and those kind of things that help with anxiety. But what if we could get to the place, summit, where fear became a trigger to bring me to God rather than a trigger to run from him. Amen? That is the picture that God wants, man. That's what God wants us to do. Not to run from him when you're afraid, but to run to him. And can I just tell you something? If you, if you, if you would go to God every time you were afraid, do you know what would happen? you would become a person of prayer. 
Do you know what would happen if you went to God right there in the middle of that situation that you're in right now? You might hate your situation. You are trying to figure out a way to get out of your situation. But look at me. Your situation is your situation. It is where you are. Do you know what would happen if you went to God as you were, not as you wish that you were? Do you know what would happen? Over time, you would become a person of prayer. Do you know what would happen if every time you needed help, you saw it as an invitation to go to your heavenly Father? Do you know what would happen? You already know what would happen. You could sense the theme here. You would become a person of prayer. And we have this idea that people of prayer, again, it's for the spiritually elite. Becoming a person of prayer, it's only for great Christians. And Jesus says, do you want to see a great person? Here's greatness. And he brings a child. And we don't even know if this little boy, this little girl, we don't even know if they knew who Jesus was. We don't even know if they knew, they knew who the disciples were. Jesus just says, there is something about this little child that I'm trying to build into you. There is something about this little child that you and I, we need to learn that, that they have qualities that make them the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so if you'll just come to God messy, if you'll just come to God when you need help, if you'll just come to God when you're afraid, you will become a man of prayer. You will become a woman of prayer. You say there's no way. Because we think that if, that if we're going to become people of prayer, we have to be really powerful. But God's power is perfected in what? Does anybody know? Weakness. God's power is perfected in your weakness. Can I just tell you, when you are at your weakest... You are on the brink of spiritual breakthrough if you will go to your heavenly Father. Now, and we're done. There's a way to totally miss everything we're talking about this morning. Here's how it is. You hear all this and you say, Mark, listen, this might have been good for somebody else, but not for me. I don't need it. Listen, Mark, everywhere that I am right now, I got here because I worked really hard. I made this happen. I made all these doors open up. Mark, listen, this, this was probably good for other people, but Mark, I've never really needed any help. I've never really been in a situation that I can't get myself out of. I, I, this isn't for me. And I just want to say to you today, I just want to say to you today, listen, there will be a point in your life where you will be in a situation where no matter how much money you have, no matter how well connected you are, no matter how, how many people you know, there will be a time in your life where you're going to be in a situation and your resources and connections are not going to get you out of it. You are going to need help. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a diagnosis that you get. Maybe it's all of a sudden a financial situation that you're in. Maybe you get every single thing this world has to offer you and you get there and you're, and you're at the top and you say, is this it? Or maybe it's at that moment, at the end of your life, where you realize that death comes to the rich, to the poor, doesn't matter what your skin color is. Doesn't matter how well connected you are. From ashes we came and to ashes we will, we will return. Genesis 1. Right? And in that moment, you will need help. So where will you go? I want to tell you today that God, out of sheer love and mercy, brought you here because God wants to say to you, I want to be your help.
I want to be your refuge. I want a relationship with you. I love you. I made you. I've got a purpose for your life. I want you to come to me. Right now, you can go to God as you are, not as you wish you were. You don't have to dress yourself up, pretend to be someone you're not. You can come to God as you are. You might be here today, and you're a good person. You believe in God. But can I tell you, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to bring dead people to life. Amen? That's why he came. So you might be good. Listen, goodness is not enough. Your resources are not enough. Believing in God is not enough. Have you went to Jesus for help for the forgiveness of your sins? Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior, not simply someone that I believe in. I want you a reality in my life. If you have never done that, man, the invitation is on the table from God, not from Mark. The invitation from God is on the table for you to come to life today. Don't wait till you're ready. Don't wait till next week. Don't wait to get some things in order. If you need Jesus in your life, Jesus is ready to come into your life, but you have got to ask for help. So man, if you ask, he is ready to run and change your life forever. And so if that's you today, don't let anybody in this room keep you from the greatest need in your life, which is a relationship with the living God. Just bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. As we just move into a time of prayer, I just want to ask you this morning, just with every head bowed, with every eye closed, is there anybody here today that just say, Mark, I need help? If that's you, put your hand up in the air right now. I just need some help today. There's hands right there. Anybody else? There's another one. There's another one. Anybody else? I just need some help today. Several hands going up. Anybody here and you would say, Mark, I am afraid of something. There, there's just some fear about a situation in my life. If that's you, put your hand up right now. I'm just afraid. Several hands are going up. There's another one. Anybody else? There's another hand. I see those hands in the main back. Thank you for that. Right now, I want you to see Summit, that your Heavenly Father, the invitation from God is you can come to me with that. You don't have to act like you're not afraid. You don't have to act like you have all the answers. You don't have to act like everything is okay when it's not. You can come to God as you are. And when you come to God as you are, when you bring all that you are into the presence of God, that becomes a place where transformation can happen. And so just bring it to God right now. Just right here in this moment, if you raised your hand, you say, Mark, I need help. I've got an issue in my life. And we just need help today. Just go to God right now, right there where you're at. Just, just go to God and say, God, I am afraid. God, I need help. That's where it starts. That is enough. If that's all you can say, that is enough. Or maybe you're here today, and just in these few moments, you realize, you know what? I need Jesus in my life. Man, I need God in my life. I need to be saved. Today, if you're here and if you're not a Christian, I want you to know today that God loves you. That God wants a relationship with you. But you have got to make a move towards Him. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we'll be saved. 
And so right now, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm talking to you right now. Today, if you want Jesus to become the Lord and Savior of your life, I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And this prayer is not magic words. You're not praying to me. You're not praying to anybody here in this this room that you can physically see. You are talking to God. But I'm just trying to help you maybe verbalize what God is doing in your life today. And so today, if you want to be saved, you want to give your life to Jesus, just pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me today. God, I give my life to you for the very first time. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for coming back from the dead for me. Father, I need you. Help me to live for you starting today.